COVID-19 is not gender neutral. It has affected women disproportionately. Welcome to The Great Reset, a podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at how we can build a cleaner, fairer, smarter world after COVID-19. It's October the 23rd, day four at the Jobs Reset Summit, where experts from around the globe are discussing the future of jobs, the COVID effect, and how these all affect equity, inclusion, and social justice. The majority of the people who have lost jobs are women. Two-thirds of the jobs that will be lost and not recovered are women's jobs. That's Fumzile Mlambo Nguka of UN women, the UN body that works for gender equality and the empowerment of women. We must not find a situation where it's only women who will end up working from home because they have to do homework as well as the office work in the home. So that uh, offices can just be in another locker room, the places where men only go. And we'll hear highlights from the job summit so far. Now the world simply no longer rewards people just for what they know. Google knows everything. It rewards people for what they can do with what they know. You can follow the Jobs Reset Summit live at weforum.org and across social media using the hashtag Jobs Reset. Subscribe to The Great Reset wherever you get your podcasts and please take a moment to like, rate and review us. I'm Robin Pomeroy, Digital Editor at the World Economic Forum and with daily coverage of the Jobs Reset Summit on the final day, this is The Great Reset. Later we'll have that interview with Fumzila Malambo Nguka, the United Nations Under Secretary General and Executive Director of UN Women, on how the pandemic has affected work for women who often have more precarious jobs than men and who saw their burden of care in the home increase. But first, my colleague Linda Lassina has picked highlights from day three of the summit where the theme was education, skills and lifelong learning. First up, Hardy Partovi, who runs Code.org, a non-profit dedicated to expanding access to computer science in schools. Roughly one and a half billion people are currently in an education system that is preparing them for the jobs of yesterday by teaching the curriculum of 100 years ago. All around the world, every country is funding a public education system, teaching courses that were designed last century or even two centuries ago, and those courses didn't imagine the future that we're about to enter. That was Hadi Partovi, founder and chief executive of Code.org, speaking on the critical need to rethink education on day three of the Jobs Reset Summit. The day's theme, education, skills, and lifelong learning, highlighted how education must evolve to meet modern employers' demands. Andreas Tyser, director of education and skills at the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, said that we must recognize how knowledge will be valued in the workers of the future and prepare accordingly. The world simply no longer rewards people just for what they know. Google knows everything. Uh, it rewards people for what they can do with what they know. And uh, state-of-the-art knowledge, of course, is always going to remain somewhat important, but success in education is no longer just about reproducing knowledge. It's about extrapolating from, from what we know, applying our knowledge creatively in novel setting. It's about, you know, can you think like a scientist rather than, you know, do you know a specific formula and equation? The social and emotional skills are becoming so much more important. I mean, these are the ones that complement the artificial intelligence that we've created in our computers actually best and we're weakest in developing them. So education is no longer, should no longer be just about teaching people some things, but about providing them with a kind of reliable compass and the navigation tools to find their own way. Sebastian Troon, founder and president of Udacity, urges educators and workers to look to major companies at the helm of the digital revolution and study the skills and qualities they're looking for. In fact, 
That exercise helps Udacity find instructors. To get the right skill sets, we actually looked not to universities. We looked to industry, to tech giants like Amazon and Facebook and Google. Because those companies are at the bleeding edge of what's possible today. And to be able to play along with those companies in the world, you ought to know what they know. So our instructors come from those companies. Henrietta Four, executive director at the United Nations Children's Fund, explains how to bridge existing gaps through reimagined schooling and tackling the digital divide. We really need to put skill building at the center of the modern education. Klaus Schwab has talked about this with the fourth industrial revolution, but we haven't done it yet globally. And it is a real area of anxiety for young people. Nine out of 10 young people were out of school during COVID, 1.6 billion of them. So you can't assume that they're getting it at school. So they need reading and mathematics they need entrepreneurial skills because eight out of 10 in the lesser developed countries are gonna to have to make their own jobs. They also need occupational skills and they need digital skills. Second, we have got to shatter this digital divide. Half the world is not connected. So we have to reimagine education. This will change our world and give a chance to these young people. Amy Regan, Senior Vice President at Trailhead at Salesforce, reminded eventgoers that up to a billion jobs could be disrupted by technology in the next 10 years. As a result, a company's longevity will be linked to its investment in worker upscaling and rescaling. Amy shared some findings from a recent Salesforce survey to give some insight in the need for employers to invest in their workforce, even in difficult times. You know, 70% of people, we just did a study, are saying that their jobs have changed. And 60% of those are saying, I need my skills to be up to date. They're not up to par right now. So that's sort of a foundational challenge. But I think for employers, businesses are struggling. And they're really not investing um, in their employees as much as they could be right now. With machines displacing millions of jobs in the years ahead, workers will need to focus on the new roles and new fields that will be created and the new skills they'll need. Sadia Zahidi, Managing Director of the World Economic Forum, says skills like analytical thinking and innovation will be most marketable for workers going forward. Regardless of whether uh, certain roles are growing or declining, if you take the average job in just the next five years alone, 40% of the core skills in that job will change. That roughly means that about half of what each of us is doing today will look very different in just five years' time. This applies across the board as an average across all jobs. The second element is the types of skills that are going to be important again in the next five years. So analytical thinking and innovation, active listening and learning strategies, um, technology use and monitoring, creativity, originality and initiative. These are the types of things that traditionally have not been emphasized by education systems um, and are things that people tend to pick up in the workplace. Now, these are going to be at a premium and rising. World Economic Forum Managing Director Sadia Zahidi ending that roundup of highlights from the Jobs Reset Summit Day 3. Before today's interview, here's Linda again to tell you about our brand new podcast. The World Economic Forum has a brand new podcast, Meet the Leader, where the world's top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. This week's leader, Brian Moynihan, the CEO of Bank of America. He helped spearhead a set of new metrics that help companies measure how they're doing well for society. We were able to put together with the big four accounting firms a set of metrics that define 
how to make progress on stakeholder capitalism. What we're trying to do is to help basically implement and solve these great problems the world faces. He'll explain why they're important and how he tackles any long-term goals. You have to create good energy and good action, not energy and action. He'll also share why creativity is critical for leaders and how leaders should act in a crisis. All that and more on this week's Meet the Leader, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. And Linda's back with us again with today's interview. Fumzila Malambo Nguka has been a Member of Parliament, a Government Minister and Deputy President of South Africa. She's now the United Nations Under Secretary General and Executive Director of UN Women, the agency that fights for the empowerment of women and girls. She spoke to us about how the pandemic has impacted work for women around the world. COVID-19, like many other pandemics, is not gender neutral. It has affected women disproportionately. It is a health crisis, it is an economic crisis, and it is a social crisis. And women have been affected not only because of the disease itself, but because of the circumstances under which women live. Their inequalities, for instance, they work in jobs that are not secured, so it's easy for them to be laid off because they don't have enforceable contracts, they don't have savings, they don't have uh, insurance. That has made it more difficult uh, for them to sustain economic activities. What we have seen in uh, COVID is that the majority of the people who have lost jobs are women. The ILO estimates that uh, two thirds of the jobs that will be lost and not recovered are jobs uh, that are uh, women's jobs. Because women are in the service industry and sector, hospitality and tourism, and also because they are employed at the levels where there are no proper contracts that women can enforce. We now must build back better by giving women better contracts and not put them in this situation uh, that we've seen uh, now. For a full recovery, she stresses that stimulus plans must create programs tailored to women. As governments support and rescue industries out of this crisis, it is important that even when the stimulus are being made to employers, uh, they are also directed to women who work in those companies uh, so that uh, women are not passed over because you know they, they don't have the right contract, they cannot make demands. It's important that the fiscal stimulus also targets women who are mostly in the informal sector. It's important to support them because women do not have a way of uh, getting back on their feet by themselves in the informal sector. We learn from the Ebola crisis, for instance, that uh, while men were able to recover uh, economically after a crisis like that, for women, it took much longer. And in some cases, they could never recover because uh, they were the only person standing behind their businesses. No structure, no support, no labor laws. Uh, They just had themselves. So this time, we are uh, saying to governments, there has got to be a targeted way of addressing women's needs. Some countries are engaging uh, women in their recovery plans, but the majority of countries uh, are not. So there is room for improvement uh, to engage and include 
more women in the recovery uh, activities that are being undertaken by different governments and countries. Women shouldered the burden of care work during the COVID crisis, a burden that could have some surprising long-term consequences. COVID has also impacted women because uh, they are caregivers of unpaid care work. Women stepped in and looked after ill relatives. They looked after older parents. They also looked after children. So the burden of care, which is already three times higher for women than for men, uh, increased more significantly. This is something that most economies need to count, need to reduce, need to redistribute, and need to formulate policy that enable women not to carry this burden of, um, of unpaid care work. It is also true that uh, in many countries that have adequate policies for caregivers, women are able to play a bigger role in the labor market. And we can see in, in, in COVID-19 the number of women carrying this burden at home. But we also having to be careful that this must not mean that women retreat from the labor market. They end up being home caregivers as against being uh, workers in the open market because that would take us back. We've worked so hard to take women out of the home by their choice so that they can be in the labor market. And uh, when the world is advanced and we say that women can also work from home, we must not find a situation where it's only women who will end up working from home uh, because they have to do the home work as well as the office work in the home. So they end up staying at home and the men can go to the office so that uh, offices can just become another locker room, the places where men only go. This will need the uh, awareness of the employers to make the policies that do not encourage that because uh, they will need to make sure that they don't create a new problem for society. And Fumzile says key in building back better will be bridging the gender gap in leadership. 85% of nurses, in the, of nurses in the front line are women. But when it comes to leadership, women are not in the leadership of this crisis. For every three persons who present in public statements about COVID, only one is a woman, even though the, the women are also there uh, working. And so we also then are seeing the uh, challenge of women under representation, even in sectors where women uh, are a significant number. So there is no reason why men should be the only ones who are in the, in the forefront. We need men and women uh, leading the, uh, the recovery in order to make sure that the issues that affect women and the issues that affect uh, men are equally addressed. And as she stresses, Shaping a better future cannot mean returning to the old normal. Some of the gains that women had made in gender equality are being eroded. And part of what we need to do now is to protect those gains as well as to advance at the same time because we have more problems. We cannot accept that uh, as a result of the pandemic, issues that affect gender equality must be shelved. Building back better and creating a new normal which is significantly different from the bad old normal, means that we address these issues head on right now and not leave them unattended. If you think about girls and, and girls' education, for instance, 
the fact that when schools were closed in the countries where there is a child marriage, that increased. So we're calling on governments to address these facts and to uh, save the situation. This is bad talent management because girls are talent. If girls are denied the opportunity to contribute in their society and to take care of themselves and their families, it means that you reduce the number of people who will contribute uh, towards a, a higher GDP of a country. You are, you are reducing the number of people who will contribute towards good health outcomes of a country. You are also decreasing the number of people who will be able to provide a contribution in society and make society better. From Zile Malambo Nguka, Executive Director of UN Women, you can follow all the action of day four of the Jobs Reset Summit at weforum.org, where you can also catch up on the whole week's events and follow us across social media on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, and on Twitter using the handle at WEF and the hashtag Jobs Reset. Find details of all our podcasts on wef.ch slash podcasts. My thanks to Linda Lucina, Kiara Kelly, Sybil Penaran and Gareth Nolan for help producing these daily podcasts. Thanks to you for listening. But for now, from me, Robin Pomeroy at the World Economic Forum Jobs Reset Summit, goodbye. <laughs>